Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, on today's episode of All Things, I want to talk about how earlier this month, the Biden administration sent a letter to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists announcing a temporary lift of a Trump-era policy. Now, that policy required abortion pills to be dispensed by providers to women in person. This reversal by the Biden administration is considered to be the first major victory of abortion rights groups under Biden. Well, prior to that letter being sent, the FDA required women who were seeking a medical abortion to obtain those pills in person, but now the pills can be prescribed via telemedicine and sent by mail. One provider that I know of even communicates with patients only through text messaging, if that's what the patient desires. So this move by the Biden administration is meant to be, at this time at least, only temporary It's only supposed to last through the pandemic, but of course, pro-lifers and pro-life organizations are already predicting that pro-choice advocates are going to seek its permanency. So first of all, let's just talk about what is the abortion pill? What happens when a woman takes the abortion pill? Medical abortion or medication abortion is an abortion that happens when a woman ingests two different pills. Um, A woman will first ingest mifepristone to end the life of the baby in her womb. Then shortly after that, she will take misoprostol, which causes her uterus to deliver the deceased baby. These medicines are approved for use in the United States up to 11 weeks in a woman's pregnancy. It's the seeming ease and anonymity that have made this process seem so attractive, but the reality is it remains very dangerous. And we're going to take a deeper look at that in just a few minutes on this episode, but suffice it to say for right now, just so you have more of an idea, when the medical abortion does what it's supposed to do, women experience cramping. Oftentimes it's extreme and it's debilitating. They experience hemorrhaging. And then of course they experience the delivery of their own dead baby. And all of this happens in the privacy of their own home, or it might happen in the not-so-private setting of a dormitory bathroom on a college campus. Abortion advocacy group Guttmacher Institute says medication abortions have increased by 73% between 2008 and 2017. Recent data shows 39% of all clinician-managed abortions in the United States are now done so through medicine rather than through surgery. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a law in 2019 requiring all California public universities to provide medication abortion on their own campuses. So according to this new law, California universities have until January 2023 to ensure that their campus clinics will dispense abortion medicine to students. A 2018 study shows that about 300 to 500 students who attend public universities in California seek out medication abortions every single month at abortion clinics off campus. So abortion advocates are framing this new California law as one of equality and access, citing the cost and inconvenience that students face when they have to leave campus to go get abortion services. Of course, this California law is really unsettling, as as is the Biden administration's allowance for abortion pills to be provided via mail. They are unsettling, but they are not surprising developments in our nation's insatiable pursuit of abortion availability. So I wanted to give us a little bit of history so that we can have some perspective on the abortion pill here in the United States. 
So the abortion pill was first approved by the FDA in the year 2000 under President Clinton. At that time, the FDA insisted that to keep women safe, the pills had to be dispensed by a doctor in person. They said that doctors would need to check for ectopic pregnancies, that they would need to determine the baby's gestational age, that they would need to make sure that the woman's pregnancy was not beyond seven weeks. And they also required an in-person follow-up exam with the woman after she took the pills. Well, in 2016, the FDA under President Obama upped the gestation limit to 10 weeks, and like I said, it's now 11 weeks, and allowed abortion providers then to have that second follow-up visit over the phone. Well, not too long after that, in 2020, when the COVID pandemic hit us and we began to see the shutdown of all kinds of businesses, including abortion clinics, abortion advocates began to press for greater access to the medication for women who were isolated at home. So a U.S. district judge ruled in July 2020 that blocking access to the pills would cause women, and I quote, irreparable harm. So he lifted that FDA requirement for in-person appointments. Then in this year, in January of 2021, the Supreme Court granted a Trump administration request to continue enforcing that FDA requirement for in-person visits. But then finally, in April 2021, just earlier this month, the FDA changed its official policy so that it no longer recommends or requires in-person visits whatsoever for medication abortions. So you can see that we've moved from what we used to say as a whole society about abortion. We used to say it should be safe, legal, and rare. But what we say now is that abortion should be available on demand all the time, no matter what. And we can all easily envision the fight to keep medication abortions available via mail well after the pandemic's end. These shifts in how we think about abortion have been fast. I mean, just think abortion was not legal in the United States just over 50 years ago. We as a people dealt with unplanned pregnancies in a more holistic way back then. The current thinking and the current demands that we are making really are dangerous for women. We have put politics and we have put our social values above what's really best in the interest of women and girls who are in crisis. So now that abortion by mail is legal and readily available, what do we think is going to happen? What's on the horizon for us? Well, we can answer that question. We can actually get an idea of how abortion by mail might look for us in the future by taking a look at what has happened in the United Kingdom. The UK implemented a program called Pills by Post just over one year ago. On the program's one-year anniversary, many women who had received abortion pills by post joined together to deliver an open letter to the government demanding an end to what they experienced to be a very dangerous program. So according to government records there in the United Kingdom, about 75,000 women received medical abortions in the UK in the last year. Now, emails from the UK's National Health Service were leaked last May. That's just two months into the program's existence. Those leaked emails revealed 13 disturbing and catastrophic incidents that women experienced um, just two months into the program. So among the incidents were women experienced severe bleeding because they actually had ectopic pregnancies. Some women delivered infants after using the pills past the legal 10-week limit. Two women died, and police were called in to investigate the alleged murder of a 
28-week-old infant reportedly born alive after the mother took the two abortion pills. A coalition coalition of pro-life groups in the United Kingdom found that an ambulance is called an average of 39 times per month by women who have taken the abortion pills. And each month in the UK, 495 women are hospitalized because of an incomplete medical abortion, and 250 require surgery to remove tissue from their babies that remains in their wombs. So these numbers coming out of the United Kingdom don't lie. And they confirm the anecdotes of women, both here in the US and abroad, who have experienced great trauma after ingesting the abortion pills. Medical abortion seems preferable to women over surgical abortion because it's presented to them as a safe and an easy option. They're attracted to the ability to stay in their own homes, to deliver their dead baby in the privacy of their own homes. They're told that it's going to be effective, that it's safe, and that if it doesn't really work out, it's not really a problem. They can visit their local clinic for a surgery to finish the task. They're reassured by their providers who are on the other end of the text or the phone call or the video call that the process is going to be pretty straightforward and relatively easy. But what so many find is that it's incredibly painful. Many liken it to being stabbed in the stomach. And then after being told that what they would experience would be like a heavy period, they lose much more blood than they are accustomed to. The blood loss is so significant that many women just wait it out on the toilet rather than trying to soak it up with a pad or with towels. And then they inevitably see the passing of what they can tell is their baby after being told they would pass only blood clots. It's not hard to imagine how scary and how unsettling a medication abortion is for women and girls. The physical trauma in a successful medical abortion alone is alarming. It seems unconscionable to me that medical providers would feel good about any woman going through that alone at home without medical oversight. But the data from the UK shows us that oftentimes the process isn't successful and women endure life-threatening and even life-ending side effects. The hemorrhaging and rupturing of ectopic pregnancies can absolutely end in death. Providers don't know that a woman's pregnancy is ectopic if they don't have an in-person visit before she takes these pills. I really cannot imagine myself or one of my daughters or any woman or girl going through a medical abortion alone. Any woman who has endured the tremendous heartache of a miscarriage can testify that passing your own baby, wanted or expected or not, is traumatic to most women. It's unthinkable to me that the medical community is willing and endorsing that women and girls go through this alone. Women and their babies deserve so much more. As I have said countless times on all things, abortion does not empower women and girls. It exploits them. So what can we do now that you know what medical abortion is, now that you know it's readily available by phone and by mail, what can you and I do about it? Well, first, I think it's just key to know that these kinds of abortions exist. While many people know about the so-called morning after pill, that's not what this is. I think most people, most women even, are not aware of the existence and the easy access to these abortion pills. Abortion statistics in the U.S., show that abortion is on the decline. Now, I think that can be attributable to a number of things, but one is very likely medical abortion because it's difficult to regulate this particular industry. These abortion medicines are available on the black market. 
And because providers are only using telemedicine or texting, accounting for all of these abortions that take place is really unlikely, if not impossible. Secondly, knowing how awful medical abortions are is key too. Women and girls need to be aware that this is a dangerous and scary and isolating prospect. It's not the easy, you know, private comforter of your own home process that's sold to them by the by abortion advocates. It's important that our daughters and our friends know they will not be unscathed by a medical abortion. Thirdly, I think it's really powerful to know this. Medical abortions can be reversed. This is such good news. Now, Planned Parenthood on their website will tell you that claims of reversal are, quote, out there and, quote, haven't been proven. But that's simply not true. Studies have shown that there is a 64 to 68% success rate in reversing the effects of the abortion pill with a progesterone protocol that is administered within 24 hours of taking the first pill. Knowing this is huge because so many women and girls feel regret and have second thoughts right after taking that first pill. And they're likely to believe that it's too late unless they are told otherwise. Doctors have even reported a success, great success in reversing the abortion up to 72 hours after ingesting the first pill. So it's just good to know that this process can be reversed. Additionally, studies have found that the birth defect rate in babies born after the reversal process is less than or equal to the rate in the general population, meaning the reversal process does not harm the baby. There's no evidence of that. So neither mefepristone or progesterone are associated with birth defects. Women need to know that reversal is an option. I just know personally from the time that I have spent serving in a local pregnancy center that dozens of women a year, just at that one center alone, have gone on to have healthy babies after reversing the effects of that first abortion pill that they took. Reversal does happen, and for that we can rejoice. Well, fourth and finally, I just want to say, let's be a people that use creativity, imagination, and care and compassion when we are faced with an unplanned pregnancy. Our society, our cultural values do not have to be this way. We don't have to be a people who champion or choose one life over another. We don't have to forsake babies for their parents. We can instead be a people who are quick to provide resources, employment, housing, food, doctor's appointments, counseling, emotional support to women and girls who become unexpectedly pregnant. There is no reason at all that we in the wealthy West should eliminate our babies Children are a gift. Human lives are precious. And you know what? They are irreplaceable. Speaking even just economically, we need more humans to keep our societies going. Human lives are an unrepeatable resource. And it's not only barbaric and violent and lacking compassion to do away with human life. It's simply not necessary. And I know what you're thinking because I feel this frequently. It's, it sometimes feels like the problem is too huge and it's insurmountable, but you and I can start with just one person, one woman, one girl, one family at a time. We can start by making sure that our own daughters and the girls in our community and the churches that we go to know that an unplanned pregnancy is not by any means an unforgivable sin. Her unintended pregnancy does not earn her shame or scorn. We need to be telling our daughters that we are with them no matter what and making sure they know the risks associated with something like medical abortion. As followers of Jesus, 
you and I must champion and protect all humans everywhere. So for us, that might mean crossing the city to get involved in a community that's not our own, sharing our resources of time and money and emotional health and stability and peace with a woman who's short on all of those things. She might be able to carry her pregnancy to term if someone would share those things with her. If we really are pro-life, if you and I really are opposed to medical abortions, then we need to get in the game and stand together with women who have been led to believe that it's their only option. It's not enough for you and me to condemn these medicines and the Biden administration and abortion from afar. We must put our resources, our creativity, and our compassion to work. Let's do that so that we can love our God and our neighbor well. The exist, the, just the existence, the prevalence of medical abortions reveal that this is clearly an area of need in our communities. So let's step in with a better and life giving option. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now.